Hi, I'm Alan. And I'm Alexis. And we are the parents of four kids under the age of six. We know that parenting can be tough, but it's also the most important thing we have ever done. Each week, we'll share stories from our family and discuss what we're learning as we parent in real life. And hopefully, we can learn something from each other along the way. So join us once a week as we laugh about the highs and lows of parenting. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of PIRL. To start off our episode today, we want to start with a parenting in real life moment. Um, So this one is for Alan and I. We have kind of changed the schedule for us and our kids. Um, We decided that we wanted to get up earlier before our kids because we have found, one, that we're more productive when our kids are not awake and, and Alan's a naturally more early riser anyway, so this is better for him. And I want to be a morning person, so. And also, um, I was talking to my sister about this, and she told me that the best way for parents to be happy is to wake up before their kids. So, this is, we have a new routine now. This is huge for Alexis. It is huge. I, oh man, getting up before six, like, hurts me. You didn't even tell what we're doing. Well, this is what we're doing. So, we are getting up at 5 a.m. every morning. Unreal. I'm telling you, this hurts me. Like, just thinking about having the 5 o'clock alarm go off just, like, kills me. (laughs) I'm a night owl. But we're getting up at 5, and we get up to exercise, and it gives us, on most days, an hour before our kids wake up. We usually wake up around 6, but Nathan has been known to wake up before 6, so usually an hour. (laughs) He is a world-class turd. And have you felt about it? Good. Really good. Yeah, I'm I'm always up at five, so it's like now I'm not just laying in bed wishing I was asleep, I'm getting stuff done. And I've actually really liked it too. It's harder for me to get up. Luckily, Alan kinda helps me get up since he's awake anyway. But it really has been good productive time and it gets my day started going faster and the exercise helps me, you know, get some energy. So Yep. It's good stuff. It's been good for us. Also, I thought we could share another parenting real-life moment. Um, tonight, we had a struggle. <laughs> with. We learned that do not take your small children to book fairs. Book fairs are the worst. <laughs> I wanted to be supportive. I love children's books, and I wanted to be supportive of my daughter's school, so I told the girls that we would go to the book fair. And um, Cammie did pretty good. She found a book that she liked, and it wasn't too expensive, and it wasn't too much of a toy. But man, Chloe, every book that had a toy on it, that's all she wanted. And she wanted all of them. And we ended the night with a meltdown. So (laughs) note to self, don't take your kids to the book fair. Wait until they're older. I wouldn't mind if they weren't about selling toys. Like if the book fair had just books, I'd love them. Mm -hmm. But it's always about the dumb books with toys and toys, just toys at a book fair. It's so ridiculous and I hate it so bad. (laughs) Yeah, Alan was very anti from the beginning. That I'd rather boycott. But I did I did find a few good books. Um, I found some chapter books that I think the girls will really like this summer. I found some cute books for Nathan to read, to read to Nathan before bed. So we did have some successes, but it did end with the meltdown. And our new strategy is Alexis will go to the book fairs from now on by herself mm-hmm. and get one book for all the kids and they'll love it and feel like it's Christmas because they all got their very own book that's just for them and right at their age level. And someday when they're like in 
fifth or eighth grade or something. <laughs> High school. <laughs> they can go and they can pick because then maybe they'll understand that you pick one book and that's enough. But And a book right, and not a toy. Right now it is terrible. <laughs> we learned. We learned a lesson. Live and learn. I hadn't told you this either. This is a trifecta of real life parenting moments. So I was home alone with the boys while Alexis was out book fairing and... I was snuggling with the boys after baths, and they're all wrapped up in their towels and hadn't put diapers on them or anything. Uh-oh. And they're crawling around, and all of a sudden, Jack's he's walking now, and he's just standing up on the dresser, and he just starts peeing. <laughs> <laughs> he's just kind of very pleased with himself, peeing all over the floor. It's like, uh. And for a minute, I was like, Jack! Because Nathan's potty trained enough that he knows not to do that. And I forgot that it was Jack, not Nathan. <laughs> so he's like, "What?" Startling. <laughs> he's like, "Oh, like oh, as you were." I'll go to tell. Finish your pee. <laughs> Actually, I've always heard you know you always hear those stories about how boys like pee all over the place, especially when they're new babies. Our boys don't do that, so I don't know if that's just some boys or our boys are special and they don't just pee all over. But they are special. <laughs> When I've done diaper changes for them, I mean, all since they were babies, they don't just pee all over the place, and I don't have to hurry and, you know, put the diaper on really fast. Like, they're actually fine, so. There's our bodily function reference for the episode. (laughs) If you didn't get enough from last time. You're welcome. (laughs) So, we've got some things to talk about, so we'll get right to it. Today we're talking about five secrets to raising a good kid, and this was by the psychologist at Harvard. Nothing sounds more legit than things from Harvard. Mm-hmm. So this must be good. I hate that. And Who true. Cares? It's definitely going to be true. Mm-hmm. We did think that um, they're pretty good. So there's yeah. five things. Two of them we have talked about before, so we won't cover as much. But these first three especially, we thought there was a lot um, here that was really good. Mm-hmm. So number one is spend quality time with your children. I mean, and this is a variety of things. This is communicating. This is listening to them. This is doing what they like to do. And it's more than just being in the room with them. It's doing things with them. So some other things you could do are to read to them before bed or during the day. I'm actually going to start doing that this summer. Um, I heard on a podcast, I think it was Power of Moms podcast, where there was a mom and she would gather her kids together and read while they did different activities. And I thought this was something I'd like to do in the summer is read to my kids for like 20 minutes and have them all play separately. I think that's kind of key so that way they can be quiet, but play in separate areas and do they can do what they want, but for me to read a lot to them. So I'm, I'm actually kind of looking forward to that. I think that'll be cool. Yep. It also says acknowledge their emotions. And I tried this with Chloe today. I was like, oh, wow, Chloe, you must be really disappointed, you know, and trying to, but she was just, I'm not coming inside. <laughs> like, you must be really disappointed. So I'd be curious to see if any of you had had more success with talking about emotions. For me, I don't know if they just don't have the words or don't understand that that's what they're feeling, but... I think Chloe's a special case because she's extremely stubborn and so, and she just kind of gets stuck on stuff and it's hard to get her out of it. Mm -hmm. But Cammie today, I felt like she was, she kept crying a lot after school about these little things and seemed really frustrated and so I'm like, Cammie, you seem really upset today. Are you okay? And like, did something happen today? And then she told us a story about something that had really bothered her at school and then she was 
better after that. I feel like she was crying less. So, I mean, we were able to talk a little bit about what happened. So that I think that was kind of acknowledging maybe her emotions. Maybe they're just too young. I always want my kids to be like five years older than they are. <laughs> um, hasn't worked out so far. So some things that we like to do, um, we try to spend one-on-one time with each of our kids, which can be difficult um, having yeah. four kids. <laughs> There's not a ton of time that we have available time to spend with each child. Um, so something that we're doing are weekly dates um, every week. So, well, I guess every month, um, Alan and I take turns month to month, and then every week is assigned to one child. And so... First Friday of every month, Cammy mm-hmm. goes on a date with one of us, and then Chloe the next week, and then Nathan, and mm-hmm. then Jack. And if we have more kids, tough luck. <laughs> Ran out of weeks. Um, but this is only like, we try to make it short, like 15, 20 minutes. And it could be, like I've taken um, Cammy to the library, or you take a kid out to ice cream, or like... A lot of times it's just like an errand. You yeah. Know? It's just to get that one-on-one time, because that's so rare. Mm-hmm. And you can even do it inside and just take that one kid upstairs. I know Alan did that with Cammy mm-hmm. one time. We just got ice cream out of the freezer and they went and ate it upstairs together and chatted. Yep. Behind a locked door. Yeah, yeah, you gotta lock the door. <laughs> yep. Also, ask them about their day. Ask some good questions and get them talking about it. And I know some kids that's pulling teeth and I, I'm sure it'll get worse in the teenage years. But get them in the habit of talking about their day. Cammy again, is really good at this. Chloe... Mm-hmm. Doesn't want to talk about her day, so... Sometimes you have to give her time. To like, well, we can talk about it later, you know? She yeah, just kind of has to run her idea. But it's good to ask um, questions, like thought-provoking questions, not yes and no questions, you know? Like, what was your favorite part about today? Or what's something that made you laugh today? Or something like that where they kind of have to think and they can't just say fine or no or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two is let your kids see a strong moral role model and mentor in mentor in you. And I really like that one because so much of what your kids do and become um, is a lot of what they see in you because you are their example. I'm realizing this episode is kind of like the overarching principles behind parenting in real life. (laughs) This is kind of just like, well, yeah, be a good role model. These are all things that like just make sense, right? But anything that you're wanting to see in your kids, you need to be able to point to examples of what you were doing. And I actually had a case of this today where I, I don't remember what I did, but we were playing and Nathan got mad at me for something. And it was something that I had actually done. Like I was, you know, like too loud or too, too rough with his car or something. And he got mad at me and said, dad, we don't do that. And I, you know, like wanted to be like, well, who are you? You know, (laughs) two year old. But instead I was like, you know what, Nathan, I'm sorry. You're right. And I could tell he was taken back. Like, wait, what? You know? And it made me think of, of this article I'd read that you have to show them how to be sorry. Cause he's one where he's like really stubborn and digs in too. Um, and so it was kind of like, Oh, that's, that's how you be sorry. Um, so showing them real examples of that, I think, is huge. Mm-hmm. I think it's. A, I mean, you still have you have to be the parent, but you also have to be able to show them that you you make mistakes too, and that it's okay to admit those mistakes, um, and to talk to your kids about it and how you can change, you know, or what you're going to do next time. Kind of have that conversation with them so they can see you working on that process too. That adults aren't perfect; we make mistakes, and we can be humble about it, you know. Yeah. 
In my case, I have to like just pretend to make mistakes just so they can feel <laughs> You're like so perfect. <laughs> on their level. You're the perfect dad. Mm. <laughs> it's only funny because it's so not true. Also, part of this is making time for yourself. We've kind of talked about this on previous podcasts. And then what we said, like, we exercise in the morning. We used to do it when the kids were awake, so they saw us exercise. And now we do it before they're awake. And I also had a friend on Facebook suggest do 30 minutes of uninterrupted time for mom. So tell your kids, I get 30 minutes to myself. No one's allowed to bug me. And go lock yourself in your room. And, you know, they can fend for themselves for 30 minutes. Like, they'll be okay. I mean, set them up for success, give them a snack or, you know, give them a toy to play with or whatever. But um, show them that sometimes mom or dad just need some alone time. They need some time to themselves. Yeah. I think <clears throat> we've actually kind of flirted with the line here, I think, on, on this podcast. Because I like to joke about parenting because it's just so hard sometimes that it is cathartic to just joke and laugh about it. Um, but we have struggled like with like what the line is because I follow a lot of like kind of satirical parenting Instagrams and there's several where, you know, just every post is about like, remember how life was great until I was a parent, you know, that's essentially the message and everyone is like, parenting is so hard and kids are so difficult and I like those those accounts because it's funny, right? Like, we all get that, and we laugh, and it's fun. But then I realized, like, you know, if I didn't have kids and I saw these accounts, I would think parenting is the worst. <laughs> and, I mean, it's hard, but, you know, I, I've done and continue doing this intentionally, this parenting thing. Mm-hmm. How I guess this ties back into making time for yourself is I think it's easy to become, like, the frazzled, crazy hectic parent, it's important to not be, right? Like, life as a parent is crazy, and so you need to slow down and do your hair and, you know, think adult thoughts so that it's not like these satirical Instagram accounts make it sound that you have to have coffee before you can function, like, or you have to, I don't know, all these things where parenting is just this struggle. It is, but you need to take time to be a good parent you know you have to be intentional about it and mm-hmm. and i think that means taking care of yourself i like that that was nice thank you mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> number three is teach your child to care for others and set high ethical expectations Woo-hoo, sounds like something that came out of harvard um, <laughs> ethical expectations <laughs> yeah i always tell nathan Nathan, have you set high ethical expectations? <laughs> yes, Daddy. Yes, Daddy. Is the answer in a British accent? Always. Yes, Daddy. Yes, Daddy. But they have some good points here. Caring for others should be just as important as their own happiness. Teaching them that empathy. I think we have kind of talked a little bit about that. Like getting them outside themselves. Teaching them to honor commitments, you know. Yeah, the the girls were just in a ballet class and... It was... Their teacher stunk. <laughs> Uh, she was just teaching them a nope. little too more advanced. It was a little advanced Stunk. for five-year-olds. But <laughs> anyway, the girls were not loving it, and by the end they wanted to quit. But they only had two weeks left, and, you know, the end was the performance. So I told them, you know what, let's just finish this, and then we don't have to do ballet anymore. But it's important that you finish. And so um, even though it was a bummer, I was like, oh, that kind of stinks that we paid for this, and they <laughs> don't even like it. But 
it was a good lesson to kind of teach them, Let, you know, let's stick it out and then we can be done and we'll just be glad that we got to try it. Mm-hmm. Uh, something else is to teach them to do the right thing even when it's hard. And something for our kids lately is um, there's been some like bullying on the bus and so we've been trying to teach um, our girls how to handle that. Um, they're not the ones being bullied, but they see it. And so we're trying to teach them how to um, step up for and other kids, you know, or and not be a part of the bullying. And, um, you know, if kids are saying bad words, like how to respond to that um, and what they should do. Um, and also uh, another thing is just kind of managing friends. We're finding that in, mm-hmm. you know, even in kindergarten, their friends are already having some drama, you know, like things are happening and, and getting things from other parents and stuff. I'm like, man, they're in kindergarten. What's it going to be like in eighth grade, you know? But mm-hmm. one interesting thing that with that that we learned is Cammy had a birthday recently. And so we had a few of her friends over mm-hmm. and a couple of them that we've had drama with and, you know, parents have been involved. And we rarely, if ever, have. Cammy's friends over just because we have a zoo already we don't need more kids which is bad and what we realized is there's some things you learn about your child and their social skills that you only learn if you see them interact with their friends like that mm-hmm. and so we kind of resolved that even though it's crazy we need to have our kid and the kids and their friends over at least occasionally because we were able to have some really, I think, important and hopefully impactful conversations with Cammy about how to deal with friends. And we wouldn't have, I mean, we had ideas, but didn't know concretely what was going on until we had them in our house. Yeah, that, and you were able to get to know your kids' friends better that way, too. You can mm-hmm. see, you know, their personalities and how they handle things, too. And I think that kind of gives you a better picture of what's going on with your yeah. kids. Yeah, it was really, I think we can do a better job of doing this, of teaching them how to do the right thing when it's hard because we've seen that interaction. Mm-hmm. Again, you need to be a role model. Of ethics. Uh-huh. So th- something that happened to me, um, I was at Target with the kids and I had bought a big bag of bird seed and I put it on the bottom of the cart and usually I don't put stuff on the bottom of my cart at Target and I just forgot it was there. And I walked out of the store and was started unloading everything. And I think I had even put the kids in their car seats already. And I saw the bird seat and I was just like, no. And so I knew I just needed to do it then. And so I took the kids out of the car and we went back into the store and paid for the bird seat. And actually the, the lady at the store was surprised that I had brought it back in, which is kind of sad to me that... There's been a few times in my life where I've noticed something and I told them and I had to pay more money or, you know, or they, one time I was at um, H&M and they forgot to scan a shirt and I pointed it out and they were surprised that I would, you know, do that, that I'd be honest about it, you know, which kind of said that people aren't, there's not more people doing that. But anyway, it was, um, taking the bird seed back, it was hard, it was frustrating, but it also allowed me to teach my kids, like, you know what, we need to go back and pay for it because that's the right thing to do. Yep. And they give a lot of examples of different things you can do to help them set high ethical expectations. Um, you can give them chores and, you know, teach them accountability that way. Um, whether it's responsibilities at school, you know, if they say they're going to do something and do it. 
again, friends, if they tell a pro, you know, if they make a promise that you teach them that, you know, they don't lie or break a promise, those types of things are, there's always, there's lots of opportunities at whatever age they're at. Now these next two, like we say, we have mentioned among others. So this first one, encourage kids to practice appreciation and gratitude. Um, we did mention this a little bit on episode five, so you can go back and listen to that. It's Habits for a Closer Family. This article mentions that you only praise uncommon acts of kindness. And this is hard, right? Because you're always trying to like find the little good things that your kids are doing to compliment them, because sometimes it's hard. Um, but when something becomes a habit, you kind of need to ease off praising them, because that's just something we expect, right? That I have a habit of every time our kids say thank you, I thank them. I'm like, oh, thank you. Thank you for saying thank you. You know, just because I'm so happy that they actually remembered. Um, but saying thank you should be something that a six-year-old just does, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and when they're doing their chores. Like, those are things that they should be doing. So you yeah. shouldn't overpraise them like, oh, I'm so glad that you took out the trash. Thank you. You know, like, because yeah. that kind of, I don't know, it, it doesn't help them appreciate what they're doing or you know so it's important that that we don't overpraise them in in those acts yep and then also of course um it's important for us to be an example of gratitude so if you've noticed most of these things it kind of has to start with the parent first and that the parent is doing this and um showing teaching their kids how to do these things so it's important that parents um don't take things for granted and and be a good example of gratitude. And one of the things that we're trying to do is have money conversations with our kids to kind of, we like to live more frugally. And right now we kind of have to being students, but we would like to stay that way. Um, And so we talk to our kids about how we can't just buy whatever we want and how we need to save our money for other things, you know, other bigger things or vacations or whatever. Yep. My parents were great examples of serving and showing, involving the kids in that service. You know, we were always cleaning up somebody's yard or taking somebody dinner or visiting, you know, some of the older widows in our neighborhood. They were always taking us along. Um, And I think even though as a kid you hate that because old people are scary or, you know, (laughs) whatever, it teaches you like oh you know my busy parent is taking time to do that and so it rubs off mm-hmm. uh, something I do with Cammy sometimes she kind of she complains a lot <laughs> she just kind of gets into these sulky attitudes and just complains about everything about her life and it's really frustrating for me so something that I've been trying to do is just have her stop and say five things that she's, yeah, and listen <laughs> no Stop and name five things she's grateful for. You can make that into a song. Nope. <laughs> Not as catchy. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't because she's like, I can't think of anything I'm grateful for. And so then I kind of have to help her think of things. Um, but, I mean, we start talking about it and, and stuff and then she she can see a little bit better. But it's something we have to do sometimes just to help her stop complaining. Yep. Then the last thing, the fifth thing, is to teach them to see the big picture. This one we really do get into a lot in episode 10, How to Raise a Kind Child. So make sure and go back and listen to that one. And I kind of mentioned it earlier. It's giving them that bigger perspective. Kids naturally think 
only of themselves. It's just how our brains develop, and it takes practice and time to learn to have empathy and think, oh, you know, how does that person feel? So go back and listen to that. Um, but I think it's just important to get kids both mentally and actually outside of that circle of comfort, you know, and let them see other people and their situations. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So let's wrap it up, Alan. All right, wrap it up. So I don't know how much I need to get into here because I really do feel like this is kind of like a mid-season synopsis of kind of what we always talk about. Um, So make it kind of like a self-assessment for yourself. If you are a parent or if you're going to be a parent, where do you think you fall on these things? Um, Because a lot of this, it always seems to come back to, are you a good example? Are you doing this? Because if you're not, how do you expect your kids to see that and duplicate the behavior? I think, too, like, how are you showing them that? Like, maybe you're serving others, but do your kids know that? You know, like, are you involving them or are you telling them about what you're doing? You know, I think it's important to um, bring them in in that conversation. Yep, yep. So just quickly, make sure, or to make it an assessment, do you spend quality time with your children? Do they know that you care about them individually? Do you let your kids see that you're a moral role model and mentor? You know, do you show them that you make mistakes and that you're not perfect and how you deal with that when you do when you do make mistakes? How do you handle that? Do you teach your child to care for others and set high ethical expectations? Um, are you ethical? Do you finish things? Do you um, are you good on your word? You know, are you fulfilling your responsibilities? I think especially as you get a little, your kids get a little older, they'll they'll know they'll know if you're doing what you should be. Um, encourage kids to practice appreciation and gratitude. Are you doing that? Are you grateful? Um, appropriately grateful and and setting that example, and then teach them to see the big picture. So this requires you to sometimes get out of your comfort zone and expose them and you to things that aren't as familiar so that you can see that there's different perspectives out there. So our social media question for the week is, what's the biggest change in how we parent today compared to when you were a kid? You know, how we raise kids is so much different now than how we were raised just because the world has changed so much in, you know, the past 20-something years. So, what is the biggest change in how we parent now? All right. So, please follow us on Instagram. That's where that question will be posted. So, you can leave your um, comments there. We'd love to see what you think. We really want this to be a community. We want you to feel like you can come to that Instagram account and find other parents that are in the same boat and get answers um, to some of your questions by reading their comments. Um, So please come join us on Instagram and and join in those conversations. Don't just look at the cute pictures, um, but actually joining the conversation, that's the more important part. You can tweet me. I'm at Alan T. Tanner. And I'm at Alexis Tanner 1. You can also find us on my blog at learnaswego.org or email us at parentinginreallifepodcast at gmail.com. And we're at a point in our podcast where we've covered like all the low-hanging fruit, like the stuff we talk about all the time. But if there's something that you think about all the time, please let us know. You can contact us on any of those mediums. Let us know topics that you might be interested in or articles that you've read. 
um, we'd love to to think about some different aspects of parenting and and so reach out to us you can also find us on patreon patreon's a way for you to support the podcast um, it's at www.patreon.com slash p-i-r-l or there's a link in our instagram and don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll get the podcast every week. And give us a rating while you're there. And a special thanks to our four kids for being kids. Hmm? Hmm. Is that from the Rascals? Hmm? Hmm. <laughs>